Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 278, and I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia. And we are back tonight. We're excited. This is going to be good. This it's, is going to be real good. It's good to have the band uh, back. It is good to have the band back. Last time, what, we did the ZenkaCon thing, and uh, mm-hmm. M, was, you weren't feeling well, I don't believe. No, I just... Allergies were, like, killing you. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. Like, today's just been the worst. I get pollination is a good, important thing, but nature's out to kill me. They are. It is. Lethal. Lethal. <laughs> Thanks. Lethal dose. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. No, yeah, that's okay. I got called names by Miles earlier. Yeah, but nice. you, you deserved it. <laughs> yes, he did. I was present for some of that. And yes. Yes, you were. Yes. Sorry about that. <clears throat> yeah, sort of. Sorry about that. Well, we typically start the show talking about what's going on in our sci-fi world. Well, we talked about this last last time I recorded. Um, we didn't. Um, we didn't. We did. I'm going to be contentious. Fine. <laughs> no. We, we talked. Did no, we did not talk about Batman versus Superman and how it, last time recorded, it had made up to over $700 million. The first rule of the Sci-Fi Diner Club is that you do not talk about I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> Batman, Superman, go. So we encourage people, hey, you know, don't see the movie for yourself. Make up your mind. I mean, there's, you know, yeah, it. there, there are some people that, that hate it, but there are a lot of people that really enjoyed it. So I took my own advice and I uh, went to go see it last Friday. And, and in your humble opinion, what did you think of Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice? I did enjoy it. However, I did have um, there's some, there were things in the movie I didn't care for, but maybe, maybe my expectations weren't that high. I don't know. I mean, I'm not panning the movie. There are a lot of things to like about it, um, but I will say Ben Affleck just doesn't do it for me to play Bruce Wayne, Batman. I just I just don't think he has the the chops to play that part. That's I. I mean, the other there were. You know, Henry Cavill is great as as Superman. Uh, the other the ac- actors in, in their roles, I thought, were good. Um, we got to see um, hints of the Justice League, uh, and so that was exciting. Um, I did like the choice they made. Batman uses a voice distorter when he's when he's Batman, and so I actually liked it when when he did that. You know, I didn't hear Ben Affleck's voice; I heard this voice distorted voice. Okay. So. Uh, things I really liked about the film, um, they harken back to, um, if, if you're a fan of the comics, and a fan of the the animated movies, they did use and borrow a lot of those themes for this movie. So I thought that, that was done pretty good. I thought it was a pretty, I thought the writing was pretty good. The battle scene was, was, was fantastic. Um... Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, I thought she, she she did a good job, and what we saw of 
the other characters that are going to make up the Justice League. It wasn't a long clip. It was, but uh, you, you knew who it was when when you were seeing it. So that was cool. Did the movie go by fast? Yes, it did. I I don't. I wasn't looking at you know the time. I wasn't thinking you know. When, when, I mean, I, I was. I, I did enjoy it. It 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 was, it was good paced. Um, so yeah, I don't think you're going to be checking your watch. See how long. See what time it is. Well, good news is it's about a hundred million shy, uh, a little bit over a hundred million shy of hitting the one billion dollar mark. So it has made about eight eight hundred twenty nine million dollars. People hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, obviously they're going to make a sequel probably. Um, oh, no doubt. The question, the, the question is, will they bring Ben Affleck back as Batman? We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, it only cost them two hundred fifty million to make. So only like, only two only. But uh, they certainly have made their money back on the movie, and, and then some. And then when the the DVDs, Blu-rays come out, they'll make they'll make they'll more make more money. And there's tons of merch out there yeah, for it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't want to buy Superman and Batman merch? If I was eight years old, the, the toys that are coming out are just let me ask you this: phenomenal. Uh, the the outfit, the mm-hmm. Batman's suit. How did you feel about Batman's suit? Because it has a very cold iron looking feel to it the suit the, the, the suit kind of harkened back to uh, the comic books the, the the animated series it was gray colored it had just a black bat on the chest um, they said this was a spe- you know the, the, the material was 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 armored um, so he could you know it, it's resistant to bullets and um, sharp objects. So I, I'm more of a fan of the suit used in the Christian Bale movies myself. It looked it looked more f- that the one in the, in those movies looked more functional. This one, I mean, but this still looked it looked pretty cool, but and still paying homage to what had been before. So that didn't bother you at all. No, I mean, so it, I mean, it was it wasn't flashy, but Batman is not. He's not, you know, he's not a flashy guy. He's not a man of the flash. No. All right. Well, uh, move on. We got mm-hmm. hung up on there, Batman. We, we could talk about them more, but, but, it, but good. yeah, this is good. So because uh, we, we, I really did want your perspective on it. So I say, you know, I enjoyed it. I don't have to, enjoy, you know, like everything in a movie to, to like the whole movie. So if you like good superhero action drama, um, I, I think I think I think you'll be. Be satisfied. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. So what else? Um, I'm still enjoying Legends of Tomorrow on, on the CW and, and uh, Arrow. Made, uh, uh, a character got killed on Arrow recently. Was it Arrow? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this if is... T- it was Arrow, could they, could they call it Arrow? Let's, well, let's talk about this. Well, they, they, they already killed him off when he took a sword from Ra's al Ghul. He got killed in air quotes, but right. he got brought back, so... Being killed doesn't necessarily mean anything. Right, right, of course. No, it was it was definitely not him <laughs> uh, this time. That, 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 that would have been twice. Uh, so Third times a charm, but maybe. But, they tried killing him on the uh, Silver Queen or whatever it was called, the boat. Right. Mm-hmm. That was the second time. So just a third time they just need to kill. Him. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be more attempts on his life as the show goes on. Yeah. So yeah. Arrow still still enjoying Arrow. Some they they're doing a little some shake up and changes. Um, my wife and I are still enjoying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, 
a new show I watched. Uh, it's on Hulu Plus. Uh, it's being it, it's it's been produced and 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 starring uh, James Franco. But if you're into you know time travel dramas, uh, this is this is pretty good. Uh, it and and it's it, it takes a common trope in sci-fi. What if you could go back and save John F. Kennedy? And um, the mechanics of the time travel are not important. It's just um, he has a way to get back get get to 1960, and he can integrate in, into the world and 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 try to save John John F. Kennedy. Explores if you can change the past. Should you? Um, if you're if you can if you can go back to the past, you know. Are you doing more harm than good by trying to prevent some bad things from happening? Um, and, and, and you know, so it, it it questions the whole ethics of of traveling back in the past and trying to change it. Is it really a period piece? I mean, you're back in the '60s. Like I'm thinking, Kristen, my, my mm-hmm. wife, totally loves period drama. Is she going to like this show because of where it's set? She might because yes, it is. It is definitely the 1960s. Is it character driven? I think it's character driven, and it also explores what was going on in the 60s. Um, uh, the racism, the Red Scare, um, just how people acted in the 60s. Um, just, so, just thing, things that would be scandalous. Things, th- things that are that that are. Our common day now, we we barely give it a second thought. Things that happen, like divorce, would have been scandalous back in the sixties, and what and what people did to try to hide it. So it was very, so yeah, it was a character study of people who, how they deal with stuff back then, and so, um, so it it, it's more yeah, it's stuff it's 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 definitely more character based more. Uh, exploring the human condition, you know, then th- that sort of thing. It's not going to be flashy. It's not you're not going to see time machines or anything like that. It's just there's this mysterious doorway that leads to 1960. And um, is it like in a shiffer robe with all these coats you have to kind of go through and get to the other side? No, it's actually in a diner. <laughs> this closet in this this diner, and um, the one guy tries. He tried to do it, but uh, he, he he said he, he was dying in it, and he says the past will always try to push back. So you got to be careful. Um, so it, it, like I said, it, it explore you know, it explores the it raises the ethical question: if you could go back in the past and change it, should you? Are you doing more harm than good by doing it? Um, yes, that there there are events and things that are ver- horrible, but. You need to let the past be the past. It's so it was it, so it was good. You know, Netflix is coming out with a series that we're going to talk about in a little bit, dealing with that same issue. Awesome, um, more more time travel drama. More time travel drama, right? Mm-hmm. But anything else you want to share about things that you are going on in your sci-fi world? Uh, I picked up the 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 Star, the Star Wars Force Awakens Blu-ray, and uh, I haven't watched all of it yet, but I was watching some of the uh, the extras before I got dug into the movie again. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Anything in particular note in the extras that you thought, oh, that was kind of fascinating? Yeah, um, the creation of BB-8. Oh yeah, they they, they had a nice little um, all the different puppets they had. I mean, there's several B, you know, uh, puppets of BB-8 and how they got it to work in the first place, and um, 
that that, that was interesting. Um, seeing them film, we we've gotten to a point where, where green green screen technology is it's almost you know it, it's almost indistinguishable from from the from the re- real thing and and. It's interesting seeing what was green screen and what was what was a practical set and stuff. Yeah, very awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, in my sci-fi world, um, there's a lot. <laughs> there's been a lot going on. Cool. So let me uh, let me roll down through my list real quick. So I did same thing. Went through all the extras of Force Awakens. Got it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Watched it with my son again. Same sort of thrill. Love this movie. This movie was awesome. Um, and I love going through the extras, seeing how things were created, and um, always fascinating to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, we wrapped up Rebels. I don't know, maybe if I, I don't know if we wrapped up at that time or not, but we went through and actually finished the latest season. And of course, Darth Maul is still alive. We actually are also going through the Clone Wars and just got to the part where we discovered that he was actually alive. <laughs> which, uh, the story's continued in Rebels a little bit later on. Then, okay. Um, but they discover like he's he's insane when you meet him in Clone Wars, uh, and his brother kind of brings him back, and they're on a vengeance for blood, for against Obi Wan Kenobi. So, cool. Um, so we're watching it. I think we're in the final season. I think we're five seasons of Clone Wars, and mm-hmm. we're in the fifth season of Clone Wars, and enjoying that. Um, and so yeah, and then the other thing we've been watching, um, we've been watching uh, two different anime. Um, one, uh, they, they're, they're fantasy based. Um, the one with Blood Sea, very gory anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to watch anime, you know, people being torn apart and being eaten, um, animated, of course. Um, but the storyline was pretty good, and there was this huge military twist that this girl that is assassinating these farm creatures is actually uh, a military weapon, and you don't you don't realize it till. Oh, sorry if I spoiled it for anyone out there who's going to watch Blood Sea. 13 episodes, and they reveal that about episode 11. And the whole time you think, well, she's just like this priestess that's ordained to take out these creatures, and you realize that there's a lot more to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm watching Assassination Classroom, uh, which these there's this biological engineered entity that looks alien, that destroyed the moon, and tells the people of the world that he's going to destroy the Earth in a year. Uh, but he's going to give them a year to try and assassinate him. Hmm. And so what does he do? He decides he's going to become a teacher to a bunch of junior high students, and he's going to teach them how to assassinate him. But he's also going to teach them writing, you know, arithmetic and everything else, and really care about them. Well, at least he cares. Yes, even though they're going to destroy the world in a year. So that, it's funny. It is, it's meant to be a comedy uh, but assassination classroom, and I got into this because of Zenkai Khan. There was a creature running around that was dressed up as this, the professor, and I said I gotta watch this. I gotta it, you, this up. you were curious about this whole thing. I was. I was. Mm-hmm. Also watched Captain America: Winter Soldier again. Oh, I love that pre- movie. In prep for Civil War coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. What do we have? A couple of weeks of that yet? Right. And um, I'm actually been invited Thursday to go see it in the IMAX the weekend it opens. Um, Debating whether I can wrestle Chris and let me take Kiefer to a seven o'clock showing, because mm-hmm. um, we won't get out until like nine thirty, ten o'clock. He's school the next day. Oh yeah, it's a tough one. But uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I can do it. It's a father-son bonding experience. It is. I got to talk to Chris about that. Right. But, uh, mm-hmm. but that's in prep of that. Enjoyed it just as much this time uh, as I enjoyed it the other time. I'd forgotten a little bit about how it all transpired, so it was kind of a fresh look at it. Mm. Uh, 
And uh, two other things, and then we'll move into some news here tonight. And that is, I'm reading Dune Sisterhood. Dune uh, Sisterhood is not the right word. I can't remember it. Um, but anyways, it's a sister school, the school of the, the Bene Gesserit sisters um, that is, uh, they're developing in the stories. I just finished that book and began Mentats of Dune. And these are all uh, in the, I'm doing, reading them for the Dune Saga podcast. So, and um, and they, uh, we'll get to that in just a second again. And then the other thing I'm doing, it's not sci-fi related, is I'm in the final phases of editing my, the book in the house that I grew up in. Oh, okay, cool. So. That's uh, not sci-fi related at all, but I think mm-hmm. I just mentioned that. Mm-hmm. that, I'm and, that. Uh, um, what is going on in your sci-fi world? Nothing. I didn't think so. That's too Nothing. bad. Nothing. I heard that your fa- <laughs> your favorite movie was Batman versus Superboy. Oh my God! We do not have enough time to record how much I despised Batman v Superman. But you went and saw it twice. I did. See. You're the reason. Um, you're the reason it earned eight million twenty nine. Eight hundred million. No, gazillion dollars. It's your fault. The, second, your the fault. second time I went to see it, I bought a ticket for another movie and snuck in. That's how much I didn't want them to have my money. You are a philistine. You hear that, <laughs> producers? If you want to go after someone, I'm not. Time, go ahead. Anyways, you're go ahead. High. So the first time, well, the first time I went to see it, we went to see it at the Udva Hasi Museum, um, the Air and Space Museum, which has uh, the only digital 4K IMAX um, laser projection system in the United States at the moment. And I will say that the movie is beautiful. I mean, it is gorgeous to watch. It is painful to listen to. And the only thing that saved it for me was the introduction of Wonder Woman and how they did it and how strong and amazing. And during the big fight scene, pretty much most of the ah, was all her, like it was all her battle cries. And I just thought you have just emasculated these two guys because you've made them look like jungle heads (laughs) because they're just, they were just whiny and stupid and the whole like Martha bull manure was just ugh. yes but we, did, we need a whole separate show for that yeah, but friend. but miles loved the voice of ben affleck well did wasn't ben affleck's voice um better when the, the the distorter was on yes so this is something i'm going to recant a statement i made previously on sci-fi diner i think ben affleck was a really, really good Bruce Wayne. I think Ben is my, I, he's he's up there for me with, um, oh God, uh, oh, oh, I can't think of his name. From the first time they did the movie. Henry he Cavill? The, uh, no, no, uh, Bruce Wayne. Oh, uh, Christian Bale was the one from the. Nope, before that. Val like, Kilmer? No, ew. Michael Keaton? No. Michael Keaton, that's it. He Michael Keaton is my favorite Batman, but Ben Affleck played an amazingly dramatic uh a Bruce Wayne. His Batman was a little bleh, but as Bruce Wayne, I I he sold it and I I take back my comments about not go- I I didn't think I was going to like it. I didn't think I was going to believe it. Um and I and I did. He did an amazing job with what he had 
because that script was painful. Did, did you so so for you the issue was not necessarily like everyone was like really concerned that 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 Ben was playing you know this iconic role, but that wasn't the issue. Your issue was the way the script was put together. My issue is that that storyline should have been two movies. It should not have been one because they diluted the they diluted the stories. They diluted uh, Diana Prince. She just kind of shows up looking elegant and then kicks butt. They diluted the introduction of um, of the the Justice League, and it feels forced. Like they had to write it. In. We got to get it in. So that was forced. Um, the I wasn't really thrilled with Lois Lane. Like all of a sudden, she happened to be. You know, she she just seemed to be in places she should not have been, and it didn't make sense for her to be there. But they needed, they needed a, uh, they needed something, and I don't really understand it. I think the movie could have been a Batman movie, and it could have been a Superman movie, and then Justice League. I don't think it needed to be this epic, watered down comic book. Hmm. Well. And I'm I, sticking to that. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet, so I didn't contribute to it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, really? I'm not. Right. You're not spoiling. No, me. well, I don't. I don't mean to be like. And I hope I wasn't spoilery. No, I just, just believe me. I am. I have never cared about spoilers. Okay. Never, ever, ever. Well, I'm sorry. But go ahead. Spo- um, spoil the Force Awakens for me. Go ahead. So, Ray is Darth Vader's sister. I. Yes, I know. I knew something was up. She was in stasis. And then when she was shot to be go live on Krypton and amongst those people. And then she was released from Krypton to the planet Hoth. And then they chipped her out and found out who she was. And then they left her on um, Jakku. Got it. It all makes sense now. I know, right? I knew. <laughs> right? Right. Right. Anyways, Force Awakens. You have that in your list. So what? what uh... Oh God! I bought that thing, and I was a, like a like a like a little kid. I, my roommate and I sat and watched it, and it was just as good. I know, right? It was just as I saw it three times in the theater, and even on my teeny tiny screen, I still the little hairs on my arm. It's just it's so good. It's you, so so good. We were watching before the show. Someone recut the entire Star Wars saga using the the um, the Force Awakens framework and spliced it all together and did a wonderful job with it. Ooh, I like, would like all, to see that. E- even the fan films were in there and did a wonderful job for it. All right, well, send, well we should post the link yeah, and share that. Um, tell me about Legends. So I'm watching Legends as well and it is finally starting to get better so I'm glad I stuck with it. But since I'm on this giant like I'm st- uh, we just finished Daredevil and I've started Jessica Jones again. Um, I've got a, I'm like I've got three months of comic books left to read. Um, and then I have you guys did any of you see the Flash Supergirl crossover? I'm not watching. Su- I actually did because because um, Fla- Flash. I'm watching Flash. I'm not watching Supergirl, but um, that was a, that was an enjoyable episode. Okay, I I'm really enjoying. Flash is getting a little squirrely, but it's I'm really enjoying it. Arrow's getting a little like there's a, there was a Padme moment recently, so 
they have a couple more episodes to keep me or I'm gonna I'll be out but basically my stuff and I'm excited for Rebel One and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later we're gonna watch it just talk about it that's gonna be awesome other than that I'm just getting myself geared up for Awesome Con which is coming up uh, in in a couple weeks here in DC and then also for Escape Velocity which is gonna be a STEM convention here in D.C., brought to you by the Museum of Science Fiction. And listeners, you're listening to three invited guests. Oh, yeah. Of, yeah. We're invited. We're invited. Hmm. It's so kind of cool. So we're going to see how schedules go. We will have a presence there. I'm not sure if it'll be all three of us. It'll um, d- I, I definitely am definitely going. But you're going uh, to Awesome Con, right? I'm going to Awesome Con, and I'll be at Escape Velocity because it's like it's a 10-minute drive from my house. Yeah, might as well. It's like in your back door. Right. That's that's so that's really like I I'm so behind on comic books, but uh, I finished the Pride and Prejudice and Zombie series, which was adorable. That's all I got. I'm re-listening to The Martian right now because it's so good. It is. I re-listened to that like five times. I I read it in paperback once, and I listened to it, and I just love it. The guy that talk about a guy that reads well. Oh my. God, he's amazing. He's an incredible reader. Not only is the novel freaking amazing, but then they got like a amazing reader. And I love he's it. an he, he's just he's I I I, can, I listen to it. He just makes that book. He and uh, for me, um, uh, the guy who played Mark Watney in the in the movie, um, I can't believe I can't remember, think of his name. Damon, this is a Matt, good, Damon. Matt, you know, Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. I remember sitting down <laughs> and thinking Matt Damon has some big shoes to fill. He does. Those were the exact, that was my exact thought. But he did a good job in the movie. He, he oh, he was great. But, uh, he was really great. But I do love the voice actor. Great voice actor for that. Oh, role. he was so good. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to it. Thanks, Em. You're welcome. I like the movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. But the, the audiobook so is great. Hmm? The audiobook is great. And uh, our promo tonight is for the Dune Saga podcast, another podcast that I'm a part of. David Moulton's a part of. You've heard him on here on the show before. We've had him on, and um, and Jim Arrowwood, who's also you've heard on the show here, um, that he is a part of that show. And we are actually recording our next podcast on Thursday. So by the time you hear this, probably that that show will, will have been recorded. But we're really close to wrapping up um, our next uh, the, the Dune series, and we're kind of in the place of deciding where we're going to go next. Mm-hmm. So that's all you've reviewed all the Dune material. All well, there's one more book coming out. It's mm-hmm. out in September, so we'll review that yet, and then we'll be done. Well, now we could always like do like philosophy of Dune and some of the other side books that we haven't touched, but okay. But uh, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Dune Saga podcast. This is a promo, and if you like Dune or the world of Dune, please come check us out. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. 
Experience Dune like never before. The Dune Saga Podcast with David, Scott, and Jim lead you chronologically through the novels of Frank Herbert, Brian Herbert, and Kevin J. Anderson. Relive your favorite moments, join in the conversations, and let the spice expand your universe. The Dune Saga Podcast. Ride the sandworm to dunesagapodcast.com or to iTunes for more information. bit of news here tonight and one of the things that came down the pike we, we you know one of the things on my list when i shared like what was in my sci-fi world i'm watching uh some anime as i mentioned and one of the anime that i've watched in the past was ghost in the shell well as they've done for not necessarily anime but many of the cartoons that we watched or grew up with and anime lovers will hate that i call it cartoons uh, but <laughs> But you know, one of the one of the animes they're bringing into live action is this Ghost in the Shell. So, and uh, it's getting this live action adaptation and cast as the main character, uh, known as Major, is Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. So uh, this Johansson. is Johansson. Sorry, Johansson and uh, Johansson. I just threw an extra syllable. But you know, so this when you think about it, I mean, this is Black Widow. This is Lucy, right? Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a this is something that if you don't know the anime makes a hell of a lot of sense. You would think, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't this no, make sense? No, it doesn't. What? It makes no sense. Well, you have you seen Ghost in the Shell? So, I know of the anime. Right. I know of the anime and I know of the characters and no, it makes no sense to me. Well, okay, but let's Why? say let, let's With, say let's say you don't know. Let, let's say that you're coming to it. You're saying, "Oh, Ghost in the Shell." Look at Scarlett Johansson. You don't know the anime. Hansen. I'm sorry. Does it make Scarlett? I'm just saying Scarlett. That's it. I'm just going to say first, first name, name only. Versus. First name Go basis. Joe. We know each other. Um, but does that? If let's say you don't know anything about Ghost in the Shell, the anime, does this make sense? From a from a producer blockbuster type framework, from a completely blind point of view, it would casting ScarJo, who is talented and a big name, is a great idea. But, however, comma, eyebrow raised. That's just it's a completely superficial judgment. You can't just. Oh, well, here's a movie. Let's throw some name actors at it. You can't do that. You need to you need to you need to fulfill the story. And once you know the story and you know the characters, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. So anyways, the huge debacle is of course that Hollywood's being accused of whitewashing as they call it. It you is know, throwing in a white actor to play uh, an a, a Oriental or an Asian character, and they've done this before. They did it in the last Airbender. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just even reading earlier on that they even did this way back when, when um, in 1956, when they did The Conqueror, which starred John Wayne as Genghis Khan. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Miles, like even like what? You know, I mean. No. So I mean, so they've done this. It's not something new, but uh, there you are. You also have to think of the time period, but, dude. But but, back- but but even so, you think now all the strong female Asian actors that we have, right? Mm-hmm. And they choose to go Scarlet Joe. I'm thinking of Yul Brenner in The King and I too. Yeah, and one yeah. of the biggest voices lashing out against against this is our own Agents of Shield, Ma Ning. Yeah, or Ming, Ming Na. Sorry, Ming Na Wen, the voice of Disney's Mulan, and in Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. Do you and blame her? No, she'd be perfect for the role. It well, it I'll tell you, it drives me nuts when I see when I see characters of a different race or a different country, and. Back in the 50s and the 60s, maybe the pool of actors and actresses, you know, you need you needed a name for a draw, you know, back then. So you you painted up your actors and you made them look the way they needed to, you know, even in 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 Breakfast at Tiffany's when they made and uh, Mickey Rooney a Japanese gentleman there uh, there were many great actors out there but mickey rooney's a name so it'll make money because it's mickey rooney in this friggin day and age with the amount of talent that there is the just how big the asian movie market is and television market and how many crossover actors there have been and vice versa that's this is this is i'm uh, you we're going to have to put an expletive on this because it's absolute horseshit I'm I'm very upset. It drives me nuts when I see Spanish characters and people with really crappy Spanish accents playing Spanish people. And they, if they had taken the time or given like a little ounce of a crap, they they could have found an actor who would have done it ten times better and authentically. So, and as a Spanish person, you know, I've I've been passed over for pieces for parts. Because I'm not, you know, they didn't think I was Latin enough. And they cast a white person who can do an over an exaggerated accent. Hmm. That's just, it's it's crap. I, 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 I'm not, I don't, I haven't fully read everything about this because it makes me so mad. Yeah. It makes me very angry. It's also a missed opportunity on using an unknown. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a, I mean, the story itself should be able to carry itself, and uh, this is this could be an opportunity to launch an actress that no, you know is not well known. You, you you could have another well known actor actress play different parts, but to have a Caucasian play a Asian character in this day and age, it's it, it's 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 just. It's just unnecessary. I mean, we we uh, absolutely, uh, and and it also robs the authenticity of the story. The story absolutely. It's about an Asian girl. Um, it's stu- it, what it is is stunt casting. I mean, uh, it, it may it may make sense. It may seem to make sense from a business point of view. Um, but no, I uh, am I, I. I think part of the issue too is when the images when the stills were released. So initially, the casting when it came out. There was this backlash. And then they released a studio still. And in it, 
um, as they do in, in, in these cases, is they actually add a slight yellow tint to the skin to make them seem more oriental. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just racist, right there. Well, it is, but that, but that is, uh, but that's been one of the complaints. That's that's one of the complaints. Could she act? Could she act out the role? Absolutely. That's not the issue. The issue is that there are really capable actors, and I don't think Miles that you need to go to no-name actors. Like there are some fairly well-known, you know, Asian actors out there that that could easily step in and fulfill the role. And we're not talking Jackie Chan here. I mean, we're well, talking, there are some female actors out there that are strong female actors that have made somewhat of a name depending on the film. I, I'm still a fan of, if when you can use an unknown, give a chance to launch get a new a new fresh face, a new, you know, somebody we haven't heard about. Um, to I mean, that way it's, the, the, the film is not, um, the strength of the film isn't on, the fact that you have a famous actor or actress in it, the, the, the strength of film is the story and you, you have uh, good actors and actresses uh, doing it. Um, Star Wars Force Awakens, the actress who plays Rey, I never heard of her before. And now, you know, she, she's getting huge now. I mean, with... Uh, you know, and I'm torn here because I, you know, part of me, I love the Ghost in the Shell series. Um, and when it comes out as live action, I, I really kind of want to see it, but then part of me doesn't. Because of the fact that they're doing this, mm-hmm. they're making this choice. Yeah. Um, it, for I'm me, not. it's if you're going to tell this story, which is incredibly important to a lot of people, you cast for the story, you cast for the character. Whether and I like the concept of using an unknown, a new face, because you do get a really fresh perspective, and you get people. It, it suspends the disbelief and lets people really enjoy the story, and not just say, "Oh, look, there's ScarJo is such and such again." I mean, there's there's so many amazing, amazing actresses out there, like Chloe Bennett. She's also on. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's uh, Chinese-American. Then there's Maggie Q, Olivia Munn. There's Chrissy Teigen, who is frankly kind of a crappy actress. But she's she's got a good image, and she can do what she needs to do. Um, there's, there's so many, so many out there. And they went with... They went with a, with a blonde girl. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Uh... You know, and and the thing is, the setting, unless they absolutely change the setting, is Tokyo. Well, I I just looked up IMDb. I mean, Scarlett Johansson, her character's name, it's a, it's an Asian name. It's, she's, you know... Yeah, she's playing an Asian character. So, it's just... Uh, I mean, in, in this day and age, I, I mean, we're, we're... Just believability. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to believe this... this it it doesn't suspend my disbelief. Yeah. You know who they could have gotten? The gal who played um uh she was on on Smallville. She played Lana Lang. Kristen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kristen Kroik. Yeah. Yes. She's yeah. gorgeous. She's Asian. She well she's part Asian. She's I could she's be amazing and she has the ability to act where you don't say, "Oh my god, look, there's Kristen." You see the character and all I see now, because ScarJo is such a big name, is oh, Scarlett Johansson in this outfit, Scarlett Johansson in that outfit. Yeah. Now, and how how Black old? Widow. She's yeah. very Black much. Widow. 
Kind of like when you need a tissue, you don't say I need a tissue. You say I need a Kleenex. She is she's a branded name. To me, she's branded like all I see is Black Widow. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I look at this picture and the the picture I'm looking in front of me is this is Black Widow. Right. Right. That hair is a little bit different. Not red, I guess. But I mean, it's it's cut to look like the character in the animated version. But yeah. I mean, a paycheck's a paycheck, but... Yeah. I. Uh, anyways, this is... We would love to hear your thoughts on this, mm-hmm. um, listeners. Absolutely. As yeah, because uh, you obviously know kind of our thoughts on this. Is it? Does this bother you? Is this not a big deal for... Um, is this not going to be a big deal for the massive moviegoers? Um, you know, what mm-hmm. are your thoughts on this? Is he... Uh, I, I, don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. So there is something that I have said in the past that I said about uh, like when they cast what's his name as Khan and people got really weren't really happy with the fact that they cast a white man um, as a Sikh. Yeah. But that's Sikh is a religion. Anybody can be a Sikh. Anybody can be Jewish. Anybody can be anything. But then anybody can be born anywhere. What I know. And it's it's. It's it just depends. Right. But in this instance, this is this is a character that has a long time been established. Khan was on a TV show and looked different each time. So, I, 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 I feel in this day, I don't know, I, we could go on forever and I'm just going to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> well, one other thing I just want to throw into the ring here and we can uh, obviously hope I hope to get some listener feedback talking about this issue, but. I'm reading through a book because I'm teaching an Asian uh, unit as a part of a world literature course. Uh, we're doing an entire section devoted to manga uh, and, and, and anime um, because of its, obviously, there's a lot of Asian literary influence and, and philosophical influence through it. One of the, uh, and I, I picked up this book called uh, Manga and Philosophy. Um, and one of the articles in it talks about, you know, why are all the comic book characters, why are, why, why are all the manga characters white? Um, and that's beyond the fact that there a lot of them are black and white characters. Um, but you know, why are, when you watch an, an anime, the characters for the most part are white characters, not, they don't look particularly Asian. Um, now oh, with lot, the big eyes. And yeah. The... Then there's a lot of, and there's a lot of, certainly a lot of Asian influence, but some of them are blonde, some of them are brown. I mean, there are, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that isn't like you think Sailor Moon, right? Um, doesn't look real Asian. And I think uh, so. I think maybe the other part that let's say the studio did watch Goose in the Shell, they may have looked at it and say, "Well, they don't really look Asian." And maybe I'm treating them. I'm giving them too much doubt. I'm just, but I'm just saying, you know, maybe there is a, there is that yeah, other part of it. That's a good point. But I, I'd be interested. That's actually a good point. I didn't think about it that way. And I actually I I skimmed the article and I forget like what conclusions they came came to, but. Um, you know, it isn't necessarily, I mean, if you're pulling it straight from the anime, a lot of the anime characters don't necessarily look, as we might say, Oriental. Even though it is an Oriental and clearly an Asian genre. So. Come in, relax at the Sci-Fi Diner Spa. Let the cares of the Galactic Empire drift away under the hands of one of our certified massage therapists. Has our favorite Gungan Senator been annoying you? 
Let the fingers of one of our Twilight slave girls rub your frustration many parsecs away. Or perhaps you just found out that your father is a Sith Lord. I am the father. Our Wookiee massage therapists specialize in deep tissue massage. Send a holodeck transmission to the Sci-Fi Diner Spa to make your appointment. Sci-Fi Diner bears no responsibility should one of our Wookiees decide to go on a rampage and strew your guts from one end of the galaxy to the other due to frustration pent up against Palpatine and what happened on Kashyyyk. Tonight, we are talking with Mr. Stephen Wilson, a writer, audio drama podcaster, sci-fi con promoter, and probably a few other titles he deserves. And we're going to talk to him about his exciting new project, the continuing stories of the award-winning audio drama, The Arbiter Chronicles. The guest star voice talents alone are who's who of folks from our favorite sci-fi productions. He can use a little assistance to get it to launch, so we're going to talk about his Kickstarter campaign. And if you think you have the gift for voice acting, Mr. Steve Wilson is looking for some voice talent. We'll be talking about that, too. Mr. Wilson, welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. Man, you make him sound so formal. You're calling him Mr. Wilson. Well, hey, Mr. Wilson! Call him me, call him me, call him me, 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 me. <laughs> you probably got that. Do you remember where that's from? I do. I do. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember that. Okay, good. Scott's just a wee lad. I am. I'm way too young for that. <laughs> I'm older than all of you, so shut up. Maybe not, Steve. maybe not Steve. Maybe not Steve. But you guys. Wow. Wow. So. Wow. So. Wow. But I grew up without television, so shut up. Five O, it burns. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, five years from that, I'll be there. But, oh man. But. So, uh, how are you doing, Steve? I'm I'm doing well. I'm um. It's an exciting time. I I've got a novel finished, and uh, I'm I'm doing my first ever Kickstarter, and you know, checking every. Um, you know, I'm reasonable every five minutes. Uh, yeah, right. I've made more money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the good news about the Kickstarter, you see, I see you're almost halfway to your goal, and that's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, I have some, I have uh, some really good friends and some some really great fans, and so that's, I, I'm really excited. Yeah. So hopefully, we can get a few more people uh, throwing some money into the arena tonight, uh, and as we kind of talk about this. Uh, but let's back up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you've been on kind of casually when we talked about Farpoint maybe like a year ago. Uh, yeah. we, had, we, we had you on to chat with a group of people just to talk about the con in general. Uh, but this is something that also has been a part of your life, this whole Arbiter Chronicles. And I want to talk about the history and the evolution of that. But can you tell us just a little bit, how did the Arbiter Chronicles even come about? Like, where, where did this come from? Oh my God! So, um, like like any any uh, creative young man growing up in the '70s, I loved Star Trek, um, and I wanted to I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to do comic books, um, and um, I, I've done a little bit of all of that. But 
when I was in high school, I started writing Trek fan fiction, and I really, really enjoyed it. Just like the idea of getting up every every morning and the first thing I do, running to the, God help me, IBM Selectric typewriter, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, typing out a bunch of words. Uh, writing fan fiction was really cool to me. Um, and I actually, I, I met some wonderful people like Bob Greenberger and Howie Weinstein and Mark Okrand and uh, later Michael Jan Friedman and Peter David, all these people who were doing this professionally. And um, they encouraged me and I got to write some of the Trek comics and I got to, to pitch some novels and, you know, um, and, and I've got Wonder Woman looking at me and that's cool. Um, so... Um, for those of you who can't see, since this is not a visual podcast, Em's holding up a little, what is it, pop? Uh, a pop Wonder figure. Yeah, pop of Wonder figure. Woman. Wonder Woman. So. Couple Wonder Women. Twin Wonder Women. It'll be a duel. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fidgeting while we, I'm listening. I'm sorry. I mean, it's okay. I work Steve with is, Steve, is, Steve, Look, Steve is not that boring. He's telling us history. I'm this is boring. important stuff. I just fidget. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So, um, Go to your room. So yeah, I wrote. Uh, I got to write some Trek comics, which was really thrilling. I got to pitch some Trek novels. I got to pitch some actual Trek episodes. Um, and then it, there was kind of a dry spell where I didn't, wasn't really working professionally. And I was like, well, I've got all this kind of science fiction background. I've done a lot of stuff. Let me take a crack at doing my own thing, creating my own universe. And that's uh, pretty much how the Arbiters were born. I started. Um, Somewhere around 1996, 97. Oh, I, and I have to I have to do a celebrity reference. It was Jack Williamson's fault. Um, okay. I met Jack Williamson, the dean of one of the deans of American science fiction, at a dinner. He was ninety something years old. He was, you know, there with his nephew and and um, very frail. And I was introduced to him, and he said, "Are you a writer?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I am." And he said well, what do you write? And I told him I work for DC Comics. He said, do you know Julie Schwartz? And I was like, no, I'm not that lucky. Um, but uh, Julie left before I... And uh, he said, well, what are, you, what are you writing now? And I said, nothing. And he shook his finger in my face. <laughs> Jack Williamson shook his finger in my face and said, shame on you. Uh, you should always be writing. I went home that night and I started plotting a science fiction novel, and that was the first Arbiter Chronicles story. Awesome, awesome. So tell us, uh, for people that aren't familiar with the Arbiter series, tell tell me a little bit, like what is what's the premise of it? Um, the premise of it, it, it is space opera, and it's got all those tropes. It's it's got the the space military. Um, it's got the galactic confederation of planets, um, which which all the space operas have had since the thirties. Um, their own kooky version of faster than light travel. Um, and uh, but but I decided to send a young crew of officers who are just out of the academy. They're kind of diverse. They're kind of misfits. Um, you know, one of one of them's rich. Two of them are really poor. One of them is an escaped slave. Uh, one of them is a young man, kind of struggling with his sexuality. And um, so it's it's just kind of it's your standard space opera fair. They they fly in. They save planets. They help. But there's a lot of there's a lot of angst. There's a whole lot of angst. So when you started it. Was you did you start it? Did you initially set out to do like a radio style drama? No, I, I set out to write a novel, and um, 
I had written, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually drafted a short novel, which later became Taken Liberty, which was my first, uh, my first novel. Um, but while I was working on that, that, that thing took me six or seven years to, to get to press. Um, and while I was working on that, um, there, there was an empty hour in the ballroom at a convention. <laughs> And I was the programming chairman, and I had to fill that hour. And I said, oh, gee, um, I think I had six weeks. And I said, gee, I could write a radio show. Um, I think I had just seen William Shatner on a Sci-Fi Channel radio show special. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, that would be fun. So I, I took one of my Arbiter's ideas, and I turned it into a one-hour script. And voila, it was uh, it was born. Huh? The audience did not run screaming from the room. We did not have to chain the doors shut to keep them in their seats. And um, we, we even asked them, would you like to hear another one of these? And they applauded. And we figured, okay. So um, we, we, did, um, we did like 15 live audio dramas uh, in that series. And they've been, uh, they've been very well received. Did you record them or were they just all live performances? Um, we did record all of them, um, and, and some of them have been broadcast from their live performances. A lot of them, then we went in the studio and recreated. So the only one we do not have recorded, I'm so sad to say, is the one that guest starred George Takei. Uh, <gasps> contractually, he couldn't. we could not record that one. Uh, sure. I thought it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you named drop, you know, George Takei. I'm sorry, did you drop this? I, I, I yeah, found this on oh, the floor. We don't want you to name drop or anything, but right, since, right, okay. since we're name dropping. Yeah. What, what what other names will I find on the floor after you oh, mention them? Yeah. What other God, fun I'll stars will put on there? I'll go get, I'll go get I'll, excuse me, I'll go get the dustpan. Cool <laughs> <laughs> people. Um, <laughs> just specifically Arbiters. Um, I think one of my was Tony Amendola, mm. um, who was in um, uh, Farscape, um, which I'd never watched. And he, I cast him to play the villain role in a script, and I'm up here playing the captain, and he's playing the villain, and we're dueling back and forth, you know, like Kirk and Khan. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, I like this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was brilliant um, as Braytech in, in Stargate. Oh. Yeah. I'll be right back. Someone's banging on my door. Hold on. It's me. Sorry about that. Pause for effect. Yeah, pause for effect. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. Something got loose. <laughs> I can't hear now. There it is. Are we, okay. we do some rain and some thunder in there? Yeah, yeah. You're the audio tech. Don't look at me. I I've got I mean, some music we can put behind it. Get some sound and, effects. Uh, yeah, yeah. Laser. We need laser fire in the background. She opens the door. Yeah. <laughs> uh. We'll make it back from the door. I'm sorry. It's, it's like <laughs> banging on my door. Like, and I, what the hell? My neighbor had my package. Oh. There's, she could have just left it on the stoop, and I would have found it instead of just beating down my door, like scaring the living bejesus out of me. Thank you. I picked up my golf club. I was afraid it would be a presidential candidate because, you know. <laughs> Ugh. I'm so sorry. So, with all these wonderful, fun people that you have on the show, so the guy from Farscape. Oh yeah, we worked, we worked with um, the guys from Alien Nation, Eric Pierpoint and Gary Graham. Oh great! So much fun. Um, 
God, I'm, I'm trying to focus on Arbiters because we've done other shows with people. We got to work with Melissa McBride from, from Walking Dead. We've worked mm. with Tim Russ. Um, we just did a show with uh, Sean Maher from Firefly. We just met him. Uh, did you? Yeah, he's, he was amazing. He was great. Oh, and Felicia Day. We've worked with Felicia Day <gasps> twice. I love her. I love Felicia. Awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. How fun. Yep. So with this Kickstarter, so all all these great shows, what kind of led to the sacrifice play with your Kickstarter? How did how did how did we get to that part, sir? So out of the uh, obviously, I said I wrote the novel Taken Liberty first, and then I started writing radio episodes. And we've done uh, with the studio cuts, we've done a total of eighteen radio episodes. Um, uh, Taken Liberty was the first novel. Along the along the way, I wrote a novel called Unfriendly Persuasion, and I just felt like, okay, we've done some more radio. It's time to do another novel. So I wrote Sacrifice Place, the third novel based in the universe, and uh, I decided I wanted to uh, I wanted to do a couple of things. I wanted to kickstart it um, to to pay for the expenses. Uh, I wanted to pay a, a really good professional cover artist, and I did Kayo Cacao has done a beautiful cover painting for it. Um, and I wanted to do a full cast audio novel and and bring in all the actors and not do a radio drama version, but but do the actual audio book but with their voices. And I wanted to pay them a real rate. So that that's kind of that's probably gonna be the biggest chunk of the Kickstarter money is if we make it I can pay them professionally. Well that's cool. Yeah. And that is and, and, and it's not like you're asking for like you know, twenty or thirty thousand dollars to do this. I mean, we're talking. You know, it's a very reasonable. It's a very amount. modest. Uh, yeah, it's a great budget. Yeah. Yeah. Our goal. Our goal is twenty five hundred. I mean, honestly, um, it, you know, I, I wish, I wish, <laughs> wish voice acting paid more, but to pay a good rate, um, you pay by the by the finished hour. So we're talking about a a seven hour, uh, seven or eight hour, um. And and let's be honest, I'm going to narrate it. I'm I'm going to be three to four of those hours. Right. So um, you know, it, it really doesn't mount up to that much to pay these guys. Right. But uh, you know, what a great what a great way to you know try to help bring people in, bring an audience in uh, to kind of participate. You know, in that. And uh, M M is looking for work. So if you need a voice actor, you know, you can. Yeah, as, we, a, <laughs> as a voice actor, getting paid is awesome. That is, awesome. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> really like it. I'm really good at getting paid. It is, it is awesome. So, um, so yeah, um, we're we're really excited. Um, the, uh, the 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 cast is nagging me. When are we gonna get started? I'm like, guys, we're running a Kickstarter where they get to name characters, so we kind of have to let them do that before we go in the studio. And um, but once we do that, I mean, the thing is finished. It's laying there, re ready to go. And uh, we're going to release the, the book in July. We're going to release the audio book. Um, and uh, I, think, I think it's a good story. It's, it's, at least I hope so. All of my beta readers and my editors have enjoyed it. Um, it's very tightly plotted. It doesn't meander as much as some of my other stuff does. <laughs> it's a very suspense-driven, on-the-clock story um, of, of, of a ship that's about to blow up. And my character's trying to stop that from happening and there's some philosophical issues in there of of, uh, of a technology that's so dangerous that that if you know it exists you can't live 
Um, so uh, it's probably the most suspense-driven thing I've ever done. So if people back this Kickstarter, what are some of the uh, perks? I mean, everyone is about getting perks when they do a Kickstarter. Yeah, I think we've got some cool perks. Obviously, uh, at, the, at the lower level, we've got uh, the ebook version of the novel. Um, and as you climb up there, there's uh, an autographed uh, trade paperback version. Um, we've got packages that include, you know, hey, there were novels before this, so here's the other two novels, and here's uh, some prequel ebooks. Um, uh, I, 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 I'm selling, I don't know if anybody wants this, but three people have backed it at that level so far. Um, my actual manuscript with my handwritten notes. People seem to want that, of all things. So uh, that's in there. And, uh, of course, the uh, the full audiobook. Plus you get to name characters. Yes, yeah. we, do have, we do have a limited number of opportunities to name some characters and name some, some astrological features. Oh, Astrographical so. features. I'm not sure what the term is. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you get to if you donate, you get to contribute creatively. Yeah, and that's that that's really 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 cool. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. So I uh, I assume that uh, some of the past Arbiter Chronicles is, are they are they still available online? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, from, from our podcast, um, Prometheus. Oh gosh, is it Prometheus? Go to PrometheusRadioTheater.com. Go to stephenhwilson.com, uh, the Prometheus Radio Theater podcast. Um, they keep cha- Libsyn keeps changing my, my feed URL, um, but uh, I think it's prometheus.libsynpro.com. Um, but yeah, all the Arbiters episodes are still out there that we've podcast. Uh, we've done a hundred and something episodes of, of our show, uh, kind of splitting up some of the Arbiters episodes. Um, if you go on um, Amazon, look on your Kindle, or go on um, Smashwords, there's Arbiter's eBooks that are available, good and cheap. So yeah, it's all out there. Now, uh, Prometheus Radio Theater, did they? As far as did um, does that group? Does they perform just Arbiter Chronicle stuff, or they do other stuff as well? No, we we do we do all kinds of stuff. We do the occasional horror show. Um, we've got a situation comedy we do called um, Waste of Space. We do movie parodies, um, and uh, we've got a show called Superhuman Times that's a lot of fun. So yeah, we do, uh, and we we, we uh, do some uh, straight single voice novel reading as well. There's one here called Daddy Detests Salmon Moose. Ah uh, yes. What's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but that title. Um... Um, uh, my friend Nobilis Reed does a podcast, uh, the Nobilis Erotica podcast, and he was coming to Farpoint, and I was involved in programming. And um, he said, well, we're going to do a late-night adult panel where the authors come and read their erotica. That sounds cool. Um I'd like to do that. And he said, well, you don't write erotica. And I was like, well, I want to play with the big kids. <laughs> so I wrote an Arbiter Chronicles uh, plot what plot story. Um, and uh, I had a lot of fun doing it, and I went and read it, and the audience had a lot of fun hearing it, apparently. Um, <laughs> there's a reference in my first novel to an incident with one of my characters involving uh, sex and a, and a platter of salmon mousse. 
and I decided to tell how it happened. Well, very interesting. Wow. <laughs> you had to ask him. Uh, one of the things I did want to ask you before we go here, uh, Steve, is, you know, you started the Arbiter Chronicles uh, in, in, you know, late 90s. Uh, you began recording it early 2000. A lot has changed in the years that you have been uh, recording the audio for that. Um, as someone that has gotten into podcasting initially by doing radio drama and then maybe some other ventures, uh, where do you kind of see this medium for you going? Oh, wow. Um, I, I love audio. I really do. Uh, I mean, I've done a little bit of video. I've played with it. Um, but the fact is, I just love doing audio. So I, I guess I kind of feel like that's what I want to keep doing. I want to keep creating audio theater. And I think with the advent of things like Things like Audible, I think the demand for that is only is only increasing. So I do see for me, that's what I'm going to keep doing. Um, are video projects more hot? Well, look at Kickstarter, and, and I'm asking for four figures, and they're asking for seven, and they're getting it. So, <laughs> so I guess there's some demand for that. Yeah, I, I think video projects, audio is more of a, of a niche market. But I think um, I think it'll it'll continue to work for us. One of the trends I keep seeing on Audible too is 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 the audio dramatization of a book. Is you know the audio play, the old timey style of of putting putting that together. And for me, when I get an audio book, if someone's just straight reading it, it I can do that myself. That's I, I'm not going to be entertained, and I don't want to listen. But when someone takes bless you, when someone when when the reader or actor takes the time to really build voices and characters, or if the production is actually a cast-based production, it just it brings the book alive in a way that's that's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And so I, as a listener, I mean, just as a voice actor, it's fun to do. But as a listener, I love I love having that perspective, having a having not just a story read to me. But a story told, you know, truly delivered in in the way I think the the author likes, and you get to do that with your own work. So that's yeah. it's just got to be. It, okay. Oh, it's it's so much fun and it's so satisfying. Um, and this time out is an experiment because with with my previous books I did single voice reads, um, but with Sacrifice Play there's going to be you know there's going to be uh, ten or twelve other actors in there with me um, and and I think we've got a good group so I, mean, we have, I haven't actually cast every single part yet but I've got a good core group and we've got a lot of experience so I, I think it's gonna be a good product um, and yeah it is it is different I, you're right a single voice read can be really boring um, and then there's some that can be just phenomenal I, I listened to uh, uh, the Force Awakens novelization and the guy that narrated that just did such a phenomenal job with the voices. Oh. A single actor can, but it has to be an actor, and I think that's the thing. It's not just I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read the book in a monotone. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Scott Brick does that for me when I hear him. Oh, Scott that. Brick is amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, he just brings it right there. So um, he narrated. I'm most familiar with him narrating the uh, Dune novels, but he's done a lot of. 
Yeah, he he's he's like one of the big voices of, of of single voice read science fiction audio, and and it's great. But yeah, I, I do like it. It actually took me a while to get used to full cast novels as opposed to audio drama. I think the first ones I listened to were some of the Heinleins that that um, that have been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and and at first it was a little weird because it's like it's a novel, but it's different voices. But once you get used to it, they're just they're they're almost different media. Yeah, very good, very good. I think you should go VR goggles next. <laughs> Technology's getting better. Yeah, yeah. 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 I want to look around I'm... the interior of the Arbiter. Go ahead. Ooh, how fun would that be? <laughs> that would be awesome. You were gonna how say how fun I'm... would that be? Oh, I was just gonna say as a personally, as I have a face for radio, so I'm gonna vote for continuing with the audio stuff. I'm all for, <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for that. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, well, thank you so much for joining us here tonight and chatting a little bit about Arbor Chronicles and what's going on in your world of, of, of writing. Well, thank you, guys. I, uh, I, I hope your, uh, your listeners will find it interesting. And it, if, if anybody hasn't heard the Arbiter Chronicles, I hope um, they'll check us out. You know, we've, we've, uh, we've won the Mark Time Award. We've won the uh, Parsec Award. Um, people do seem to... I don't like to brag about myself. I really don't. But people do seem to enjoy our stories, um, and that's why we do them. So I, I hope I hope more people will check us out and think about backing the backing sacrifice play. Awesome. Well, we see you every once in a while at, at conventions. Will, will we see you this summer? You will. Uh, I'm doing uh, Balticon, mm-hmm. and I'll be at Shore Leave. Awesome. Uh, premiering sacrifice play at Shore Leave, so there'll be a launch party. Um, Maybe there'll be pizza or something. <laughs> I haven't gotten that far yet. You, well, that guy did a Kickstarter for mac and cheese. Was it mac and cheese or soup? Or uh, the best, like, egg salad? And raised, like, $35,000. So we just, we'll just do a Kickstarter for pizza. Well, he's yeah. got money. Maybe he can he can finance our pizza. pizza. Uh, there, you there you go. All right, Steve. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Good night, Steve. Good night. Prometheus Radio Theater presents The Arbiter Chronicles. Time to impact one minute, 30 seconds. Metcalf, this is pointless. Surrender and die like warriors. I thought we were dying like warriors. Computer, begin final log entry. All sections read out. Armory, ready. Battery Alpha, status. Battery Alpha, offline. You're an amusing fellow. It's a pity to blow you up. Battery Beta, status. Battery Beta, offline. Metcalf, for God's sake. Battery Gamma, status. You don't believe in God. Battery Gamma, offline. I think I may be starting to. Robot shuttle's closing. Battery Epsilon, status. Battery Epsilon... Active and locked on target is ordered. Battery Epsilon. Battery Epsilon. Fire. What? Direct hit. (laughs) The Arbiter Chronicles has been in production in some form since the year 2000. The audio dramas have won the Mark Time Silver Award and the Parsec Award and featured guest appearances by some favorite science fiction actors. The novels Taken Liberty and Unfriendly Persuasion developed the story more, 
and novelizations of the radio shows filled in some background for the characters. In creating the Arbiters, I wanted to play with all the comfortable science fiction tropes like starships and galactic federations and evil empires, but turn them on their ear a little bit and push the boundaries. Sometimes even make people uncomfortable because people think when they're uncomfortable. But most of all, I wanted to tell science fiction fans the kinds of stories that I like to hear. The newest Arbiter Chronicles project is the novel Sacrifice Play, which will be released simultaneously as an audiobook and a print novel. The goal of the Sacrifice Play Kickstarter is to pay for the legal and production costs of releasing the book and to pay a professional rate to the artists who are creating the cover and promotional items and voicing the full cast audiobook. It's taken a lot of very special people to make the Arbiter Chronicles happen for the last 15 years. Sacrifice Play is your chance to be one of them.